draw the hearts of each one of us to you, God. Open up the eyes of our understanding. heard the voice of God speak to me. I was at a funeral. I was lost. And um, I was looking at a, an elderly lady, look at her husband in the casket. And um, I just began to be very sorrowful, even though I didn't know her very well. But um, just full of sorrow, looking at her, looking at her life in this casket. And um, I, I just thought to myself, she's alone. And the Spirit of God answered me and said, she's not alone if she has me. And I knew it was God. Nobody had to tell me. I just knew it. You know, God does speak to the lost. He speaks to the lost. I thank him for that. And it was exactly one week later that I was standing over the casket of a man that I had planned to marry, looking at him in that casket, really wanting to just get in myself and close the lid, wondering what I had to live for. But those words were ringing in my ears. She's not alone if she has me. You know, God is so faithful. He's so good. And I'm telling you about my life, you know, but uh, this is really just the inheritance of the child of God. I was born again, you know, in those days right after. And this is what he said. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I found that to be true. I strengthened myself on those words then. And I still do. I do to this day. And I just, I thank him for that. And I'm not telling you, you know, that was an unfamiliar voice at the time. But that voice has become very familiar. And I love it. I love hearing him. But, um, you know, it's not that I hear him like that 24-7. But I do feel him. And I'm not telling you about my pursuit. I want to tell you about God's pursuit. I bear witness with what Randy said. You know, that invitation, it's, it stands open forever. That is your inheritance. That is the inheritance of the child of God that we can come to him always. So the, the first thing that I would say is that God's pursuit is constant. It's perpetual. It's like the Song of Solomon. It's evergreen. It's with no variance. He is always ever seeking to be with you. When I'm, you know, at the beach with a bunch of people in the room and it's busy, I can feel that draw on my spirit. When I'm at home alone, I can feel him drawing me. Maybe I'm busy at work. It's not that we necessarily always have quiet time. But as we walk, as we go, you can feel that drawing for God to fellowship with you. Maybe sleeping at night and you just wake up, your mind is clear and you feel him right there. He just wants to be with you. This is what he's purchased in Christ to be with his redeemed creation. And so I just tell you that and and that it's not exclusive. It's not because we've suffered or we will suffer or some particular plan he has for our life or something that we'll walk through. It's, It's for the whosoever will. And so the next thing I would say is that we must respond to him. We have to respond to God. And it's, it's what, you know, we always love to say about the men of God in the Bible that we love to admire. You know, it was really their response that set them apart. You know, it is, um, it's Moses turning aside, you know. So we have to respond to him. But I want to say this. I pray you would hear this. It's not your seeking that will... That is the power of intimacy. It's not your power to hold on to God, though we can. The Bible says you can lay hold of his covenant. You can lay hold of the things of God. You can take hold. We can. So I would encourage you, take hold of God. Take hold of his garment. You know, hold his hand. You know, worship at his feet. However you can, take hold. But God showed me a picture as I was thinking of this. Picture, uh, um, 
a, a mother holding her child. You know, as she holds that child, the baby's holding on to her, maybe has a grasp of hair, you know, and it looks like the baby's holding on pretty tight. But if the mother would let go of the child, you would see there was really no power in the child to hold itself up. It was in the arms of the parent. And likewise, you know, there is a resting place as we understand. Yes, we can press into God, but it is God that is holding you. And it is God's power to keep you. And so you rest there. And there's such a a place of grace there. And the last thing I would say to us, and God just, he really showed me this by revelation. I hope it's not silly, but I believe God gives us uh, prayers. I, I, I believe he fills our heart with prayers and he fills us with songs. And a lot of times when I leave the place of prayer, I sing that song. Would you sing it with me? It's, um, oh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me i am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known and god just showed me by revelation you know, every time you've sang that song, Michelle, you sang it like it was a lie. That line, the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I don't know if I consciously sang it, but, you know, God has thousands of children. He has children in every generation. He says thousands of thousands. Who, who can number them? And you mean that you have joy for me that none other has ever known? No one else has ever known this. And it's like the Lord spoke to me and said, Michelle, I have Jesus to give to you. That if I don't give to anyone, that if I don't give it to you, I can't give it to anyone else. Because there's only one you. And likewise, if God goes without giving you Jesus for that place in your life that needs him, eternity will pass. And God will have lost that. So to me, that creates such intimacy that it, it's no more, it doesn't matter what my brother does, what my sister does. You know, like Peter's standing there and God said to him, what does it matter what he has to do? You and I are going to walk together. You went where you wanted to go when you were younger, but when you're older, you're going to go with me. You're going to walk with me. And I have something to give you, Peter, that I can't give anybody else. And I tell you that just that that would sink into your heart that God has for you joy that he can't share with anybody else. He has love that he can give no one else. Do we sing that again as we close, as you turn your heart to God? Oh, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells
continue to just share with you something that um, is so powerful in my life and in my prayer life, and that's pray in the Word of God, pray in the Scripture. We want to know God's heart. We want to know God's will. We want to know God's ways. We're going to know what He is speaking and what He desires. We have His Word. The Word of God is the greatest tool that I can hold in my hand that God has given me to know Him and to seek Him and to find Him. And And I just want to encourage you in your prayer life to pray the Word of God, to pray the Scriptures, to be taught of the Word of God through prayer, not just reading and not just uh, study the Word, because we can get uh, a lot of knowledge and gain a lot of wisdom and and strength that we should do through studying the Word. But praying the Word does something special in our lives and in our communion with the Lord. We have this example in God's Word of, of the of people who prayed and reminded God of what he said or brought his words before him. Paul prayed for the church at so many times, um, examples of prayer, the new Testament, uh, writers and believers prayed for the church. And we have those prayers to pray. We can go to those prayers and pray those prayers for fellow believers, for the things we're facing in our life. Uh, um, the prayers of Jesus and how he taught us to pray how he prayed for his disciples, how he talked to his father. That's an example for us to go to those scriptures and to pray those prayers. God shows us in his word. um, It teaches us to pray according to his will. I can see how Jesus prayed. I can see how Paul prayed. I can see how David praised and prayed in the Psalms. And it teaches me to pray. I can pray those scriptures and know I'm praying God's word. I'm praying God's will. I can see God's power 
in his word. You know, I was just thinking as they were singing that song, there's a psalm that says his ways are unsearchable. You know, we're never going to get to the end of who he is. And his word of God helps us discover that as we pray his word. But it's not just to pray a prayer that's there. What I want to really share with you in my heart and what God's just really deepening in me is that just reading his word anywhere, I can pray his word and he can stir my heart and he teaches me to pray. Um, in Psalms, like we read a Psalm every day or, or maybe whatever God shows you to do. But I was reading this morning, Psalm 85 is what I have marked for today. And it says, um, you've forgiven the iniquity of your people. You've covered all their sin. If I read that, Lord, I'm going to stop and say, thank you, God. You've forgiven my iniquity. Thank you, God, that you've washed me clean. Thank you, God, that you've saved my children. Thank you, God. And we can go on it. We could just stop there on that verse and spend some time praising God and thanking God. Whatever the scripture might be, it says in verse 4, turn us, O God. That's what we're praying this weekend for our nation. Turn us, O God. So going to God's word, praying it, and taking it and, and using it as powerful in prayer. God's, the Holy Ghost starts to stir and he moves us and he speaks. Even as I'm reading, he wants to share those things with me. So I encourage you to go to the word of God as a, as a time of prayer, not just of reading and devotion, but a time to pray too. What am I going to read today? I, I was uh, reading in Psalm, not Psalm, I'm sorry, Mark, reading through the Gospels right now. And right now I was in Mark the other day and just came across a verse, all the things Jesus did, all the healing he had. And I saw how he was moved with compassion. And God just start, Holy Ghost just stirred my heart to pray for people who needed healing. God, you are moved with compassion. Be moved with compassion for their life right now. And I, I'm not a person of many words, even though I might go too long right now. But I'm not, I just don't have, I'm, don't have a lot to say sometimes. But God will give me things to say. But I need his scriptures to help me in prayer. So I see that and I see his compassion. Lord, you just spoke to them. Even that woman who said, a Phyro, Syrophoenician woman. I'm looking at Andrew to help me with that lady. But anyway, she wasn't Jewish. And she said, even even we get the crumbs from the table, God. I mean, I'm going to come to you, Lord, because you hear, you hear, and I'm coming through the blood of Jesus, and I am your child. And, you know, it just stirs my heart to pray when I read the scripture and when I see what God says about it. And I was, back to what I was saying, I was reading, and it said, the people were amazed at what he was doing. He said, he does all things well. And it, I shared this with the church Sunday morning. It just made me stop and think, God, you have done all things well. And I look back at my life, God, the Holy Ghost took the word and he stirred my heart. And I started saying, wow, God, you've done, all, look what you did 20 years ago. Look what you did 40 years ago in my life. I won't go back much further than that. Look what you do, God. Look what you did yesterday when I questioned, when I wondered, God, you do all things well. Just that little phrase in God's word stirred my heart. And that's what he wants to do. When you open his word, the Holy Ghost wants to stir your heart. So we don't have to just do it like a rote prayer. I'm going to open the Lord's prayer and pray. No, let the Holy Ghost stir that prayer in your heart and let him lead you in prayer. Don't take his word out of context when you pray. And that would be a warning, a caution to you. Just like we can take out of context in our doctrine. Don't take it out of context when you pray. Don't name it and claim it, all right? But just pray according to that context and what God is saying and what God's doing. There's richness, there's blessing, and there's joy um, that he brings us. And I think the last thing I want to talk about is to, to hide his word in your heart. You know, you've heard that. God tells us that. Hide my word in your heart so you might not sin against me. And so we seek to memorize scripture. We seek to know it and to study it. And a lot of times it just gets here. But I found the greatest for me, the greatest way to hide his word in my heart was to, to obey it. And the other one is to pray it. It hides it in my heart. I can remember those things that I bring before God from his word. And it, my heart has been stirred. And I can know I'm praying according to his will. And I can know that that um, it's something that's here and not just here. So I encourage you to pray the scriptures and to hide his word in your heart. It's a time, a sweet time of communion. When you take that word, you open it. It doesn't matter where it is. You can, I mean, it really doesn't matter where it is. You stop and you look at that word and you read that and God, the Holy Spirit stirs you and you commune with him in prayer. And it's a beautiful, beautiful time. And I want to do that right now.
I want to do, I want you to, you can kneel where you are, you can sit in your chair, but I want you to open up that word. And I want you to spend this next minute or two praying wherever you are. Maybe it's where you're reading right now. Maybe you're just going to do that drop it, open it kind of thing. God's word is rich and he can stir by his Holy Spirit that word in your heart. So take some time now and pray his word. thank you, Lord, that by your word we can live, that, Lord, your word is bread to us. It's our nourishment and our life. We thank you, Father, that you've sent your word and healed us. We thank you that Jesus is the manifestation of your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is trusted, that it is true, that it is inerrant, fallible and Lord that we hold to it and we believe it we believe it when we read it when we study it when we pray it we believe it we believe your word father we believe that it's true it's mighty it's powerful father when your spirit speaks the word through us the mountains move everything happens, God, according to your word. Lord, when you spoke, the spirit of the Lord moved and it happened. And Lord, we just believe that even when we pray your word, that the spirit of the Lord would be moving. And Father, we would see your glory and your power as you cause the things that we're believing for to happen. And thank you, Father. Thank you for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, your mercy and your compassion, that you are the God who seeks us. We would never seek you if you didn't seek us. 
We love you because you first loved us. That you desire to meet with us, Lord. Every day you have fresh mercy for us. Every day you have what we need, body, soul, and spirit. You desire to nurture us. You don't just care about our spirits, but our physical life as well, our emotional life. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us peace. You give us joy. You cause us to rejoice. And you are our delight, Lord. We love you. Just thank you this morning, God, for the opportunity to be able to hear from your heart, to hear about prayer. And, Lord, our desire to be a people of prayer, our desire for your church to be the house of prayer, that our personal lives, because we are the church, to be the house of prayer, that our lives would be about communion with you, intimacy with you, to know you, God. Like they took knowledge of the disciples. They were unlearned, but they had been with Jesus. That was the only explanation for their life. They had been with Jesus. Let it be said of us that we've been with Jesus, not that we're studied, not that we've been to the seminaries, not that we have been through the schools, but we've been with Jesus. We know you, God. We know you by the Spirit. We know you by your Word. We just magnify you and glorify you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about just congregational prayer in the church. And I wanted to begin by just letting you know that if you have prayer meetings in in your home, you have prayer meetings in your church, you gather together for prayer. First of all, I just celebrate that. However, you gather to pray. Amen. I just celebrate it. Um, there, there's not one specific way that that we are to do this, but there are directives in the Bible that tell us how to approach God. And so when David was desiring to bring the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence back to Jerusalem from its captivity, um, his desire was right. He wanted the presence of God, but he did it wrong. And because of that, it was on an ox. It was supposed to be on the shoulders of the priest. And the ox stumbled, the ark was moving, a man touched it, and he died. And David was confused by that, and he went and sought the Lord, and he understood, okay, this is the way God's presence moves. And he did it the way God said. I want you to understand that God still is determined that we come before him the way that he has said. And we come to God through grace. That, that's how we come to God. We do not earn our way to God. We do not work our way to God. We are not under the old covenant of law where it's kind of a debt system. Did I fast enough? Did I pray enough? Did I sacrifice enough? Did I witness to enough people for God to hear me now? Romans 4 cuts all of that out. That's not how we relate to God. We relate to God on the basis of faith. And so we come to God with our faith in what God is pleased with in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is our holiness. Jesus is our righteousness and our sanctification. Jesus is our justification. He's not just going to be. He is now. And right now we are holy. Right now we have access to God. Right now we are righteous. And so that's our faith that we come before God. And therefore, if we relate to God on the basis of faith, the promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen. And so it's not a matter of will God do it. It's a matter, will we remove the stone to see Lazarus come out? That's the question. God's saying, yes, I will do this for my son Jesus. And so we have to believe the Lord and hear God for these things. And just appreciate everybody speaking today. Um, I wanted to speak to you about this, though, in prayer, what God has put in my heart and what the Lord has taught me. Spirits seek rest. Um, they're looking for that. They don't seek rest like we do. Jesus said that when a demon goes out of a man, it goes through the dry places of the earth and it's looking for rest. So demons look for dry places. Demons look for places where there's no water. Thank God 
Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which is likened to a river. <laughs> you know, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, demons don't want to be around that. Um, but when we're dry, demons are attracted to it. Demons are attracted. Rest to a demon is unbelief. It's murmuring. It's complaining. Um, it's doubting. And so when we're having an attitude of that inactivity, we're in the flesh. We're not in the spirit. It's very attractive to demons. And they're going to come to that. And so if that's the way we come to church for prayer, then we're not creating an atmosphere of life and water. We're creating an atmosphere of just boredom and skepticism. And, okay, we prayed again and nothing's happened. And, and demons just love that. And, and I believe that we have to overcome that. God also desires rest. And rest to, to the Lord is belief and faith and praise and activity and love and compassion and being moved by the Spirit of God and not by our flesh. And so I say that to us because if we're going to have a, a, a really Spirit-filled prayer meeting as a congregation, we all have to come filled with the Holy Spirit. And please listen to me. Every one of us personally carries something with us Every time into a prayer meeting that is fighting God. Every time you come and you preacher, me preacher, all of us, every time. And it's our flesh. And Paul said in Galatians 5 that the flesh wars against the spirit. It always does. There will always come a point when the flesh rises up and says, I don't want to do that. I'm not comfortable with that tonight. I'm tired I'm exhausted. I'm weary. Let someone else do it. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. That's all the flesh speaking. And so that wars and strives against the spirit. And we have to prevail against that flesh. We already have the victory over it, but we need to recognize that and we need to put ourselves to the desires of the Holy Spirit. For example, the Bible says, and this blows my mind at the number of Christians who don't do this, even though it's written in the Word of God. And the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us how to do it. It's not mystical, you know, but we think, okay, I'm going to be, Lord, fill me with your Spirit, fill me with your Spirit. And you're looking up, come on, heaven, fill me with your Spirit. God's got to, and we're, and we're, it's this mystical thing, like we're begging when Paul said in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and giving thanks. And so that's if you want to be filled with the Spirit, do that. But you won't do that. And we're going to come to prayer meeting and we're not going to do that. We're going to come to prayer meeting and, and what might be typical is we're going to find an altar because I didn't get a good nap on Sunday. And, and that's, that's my prayer because that's what the flesh wants to do. Or we're going to come and we're going to sit in our chairs and, and we're just going to kind of sit there and watch and maybe they'll sing some songs for me or, you know, something, something good. Maybe God will do something really great tonight you're totally unprepared. If God's going to do something, he's going to do something through you. You're the body of Christ. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are in you. Quit looking to a stage for the miracles of God. The gifts of healing in you are in you. The gift of wisdom is in you. The gift of miracles is in you. The gift of faith is in you. And you don't have to feel it. You, you don't have to, oh my gosh, I've got this warm sensation all over my body. Give me a problem in the church. No, you don't. You, you, you see a need and you approach the need in faith that God lives in you and the spirit of God is in you and there are gifts in you. And I'm just going to step into this by faith to say, hey, I love you. And I just want to take a moment and pray with you tonight. Is that Okay. And you just pray with, and, and, and maybe not even to your knowing, the Holy Spirit speaks something through you to them. You had no way of knowing it. It just set them free. Or maybe you pray for something and God begins to move and you're praying for a miracle and that miracle begins to happen in their life. 
If we just sit in our chairs and do nothing, then that's never going to take place. Our, our prayer meetings will be boring because we're boring. And so it's very important for us to understand that we have to attract the presence of God. Atmosphere is, is very, very important in our churches. Because when we are ministering, we gather, we are attracting a spiritual reality. And if we come and we're boring and we're just dead and we just sit in our chairs and we're dead and we're not doing the things that God says to do, then that, that apathy, that lethargy is just going to cause a service to be dead. You've been in dead churches. You've seen this where the Holy Spirit can hardly move. You can grieve the Spirit. You can quench the Spirit. You can resist the Spirit. Yes, God can do whatever He wants to do. But it also tells us in the Word we can hinder Him. And so we should not desire to hinder the Lord. And so we are understanding that there is a spiritual world all about us. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. And they're both looking for rest. They're both looking for an environment in which they can come and inhabit it. And so God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. You do not praise God quietly in your heart. That, that, that is a, not the definition of praises. To boast is to be loud. It is to shine. It is to give glory to God. It is done with shouting. It is done with loud voices as we praise God. And, and that's what, it, and the Bible says, enter into his court, his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. So we begin, we come to God and we begin to thank God. We're just thinking, well, I don't want to thank God. I've had a really bad day. Well, get out of your flesh. Because that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. Get out of the flesh. Get into the spirit of God. Begin to think, well, I don't feel like it. That's why he says it's a sacrifice. So make the sacrifice. Begin to thank God. And as you begin to thank God, then you begin to praise God as you're entering into his presence, into his course. You're praising God. You're magnifying him. You are the God of gods, the king of kings. You are the creator of the, of, of the heavens and the earth. All power is yours. All might is yours. All dominion. And all of a sudden, your spirit's getting into it. You're getting spirit-filled. But yet a lot of people want to get spirit-filled by just sitting there and saying, Well, Holy Ghost, touch me. And nothing ever happens. And so if we're going to have a spirit-filled prayer meeting, we have all got to come into that prayer meeting seeking the Lord and, and seeking to live a spirit-filled life engaged with God's presence that if something's going to happen today in the prayer meeting, it depends on me. And I ask you the question, does God depend on you for things to happen in the church and in the world. And the Bible says, absolutely, he depends on you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through chapter 14 talks about how the Holy Spirit has given to you his very life so that through you he can exercise gifts and ministry through your life. Every one of us. And so if there are things that God wants to do in the world, he has desired and confined himself, if you will, to work and operate through his church. That's the way God desires to do that. That's not pulpit ministry. It's congregational ministry. And we all have to be involved in it. And so I say to you, if you want to have a great prayer meeting, come to church, believe in God. Come to church full of praise. Come to God thanking him. Open your mouths and be and let your body become an expression of the faith that's in your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So let your heart start speaking or your mouth start speaking from your heart and not your head and begin to glorify God and be active in the prayer meeting. Look at people. Don't find a seat. Find a need. And pass your seat up and go pray with people. Andrew said something beautiful this morning. Keep notes about people in your church that are believing for things in, in their life. If somebody needs a job, if somebody's sick, if you've got young people that are, are about to take tests and find them, have a prayer journal. Bring that to church every service. Open it up 
And you don't have to wonder, well, what can I pray about tonight? Okay, well, I know they're battling a sickness. I'm going to go over there and pray with them tonight. And I know that this family is desiring wisdom about a particular job. I'm going to go over there and pray with them tonight. But we come empty-handed. We come with we, we, we come with no prayer journal. We come with no notes. We come with no understanding. You know how forgetful we are. And so we come and we sit down and say, what can I pray for? What can, and and there's, a, there's a number of things that we can pray for. Uh, even, even as ministers, we do the same thing. We just show up at the prayer meeting. We're so unprepared. The prayer meeting needs to be the most important service of the church. It's the most important gathering of the week. It's the, it's the most important meeting. It is the one that needs to be given the most attention. I spend more time on our prayer meeting than any other meeting I do in the church. Because it's that important to me. It's that necessary for me that we call upon God together and we see the works of God and we see the power of God manifested and demonstrated in our church and and in our lives. Activity in the prayer meeting. I just want to say a few things about this. The activities in the prayer meeting should come from the scriptures. And I just want to explain to you some of the things that the scriptures say. In James chapter 5, for example, it says that if you're afflicted, pray. So people are going to come into the prayer meeting that are afflicted. Don't hide it. Don't pretend that you're not. Because that's why a lot of times we're not finding the relief that we need. So if you're afflicted, begin to pray about it. Let people pray with you about it. We're fighting spiritual warfare. One chases a thousand, two chases ten thousand. Hey, I got a devil on my back. You know, I've got, I've got the devil coming against my home right now. Will you pray with me? Great, we're chasing a thousand of them. Well, maybe there's 10,000 of them attacking me. Can I get another prayer partner? And, and maybe there's more than that. Can I get about five or 10? Can I get a hundred people to pray with me and just chase hell off of my life right now? I mean, really? I, I, what Randy talked about is beautiful about your prayer closet, but your prayer closet is not congregational prayer meeting. Your, the congregational prayer meeting is not for you to find a chair to go hide behind and bow down and, and, and be low the whole time. Congregational prayer meeting is intercession for one another. It's praying together. We get up in these altars and we pray. And there's so many times that, that I'm up here praying and I'll forget and I won't know what to, and I'm distracted. I'm thinking about what's the weather going to be next week. I wonder if I can go play a game of golf or something like that. And my mind starts thinking these carnal things, just being real with you, you know, and then all of a sudden a person next to me begins to pray about the harvest. Oh yeah, I I, want to pray. Thank you. And I just begin to pray with them. Right. You know what I'm talking about, right? But if I'm sitting up in the balcony all by myself, I'm just really going to observe people and, and I might pray a little bit. I might not pray a little bit. So I want to be right down there where the fire's going on. I want to go, I want to be right. And and would to God, the whole building's a, a big altar, right? Where everybody's praying and seeking the Lord. So James 5 says, if you're afflicted, pray. If you're merry, sing. So there should be singing in the prayer meeting. There should be praying in the prayer meeting. The Bible says if you're sick, then call for the elders of the church. The sick should be calling for the elders of the church. Hey, I'm sick. Elders, come come anoint me with oil. There should be the anointing of all. There should be praying over people. There should be the prayer of faith. There should be the forgiveness of sins. Even confessing faults to one another. Pray for one another that you would be healed. And so this prayer meeting is engaged among the members. And there's singing and there's praying and there's stillness and there's praise and there's thanksgiving. And a lot of times in our prayer meetings we just come and we find a spot and we kneel down and we just pray. We're just, it's, it's typically very, very boring. But when we pray according to the word of God, it becomes very, very exciting. You move about the body of Christ and you seek to edify the body. You seek to comfort the body. You seek to exhort the body. There should be times in the prayer meeting where maybe somebody has a word from the scriptures and say, I'd just like to read this word tonight. I just want to bless you with it. Or maybe somebody has a testimony and says, God did a miracle for me. I want to share that with the church. Or maybe somebody's about to face something that week and they want to testify. Hey, I'm going into this this week. Will you pray with us? Or like Noah's going to talk about tonight, I'm going to, to Pakistan. Is it? 
Nepal. I'm going to Nepal in, in a few days, and, and I need the church to pray. So we're going to do things like that tonight, and, and just to believe God. Luke's over there. I want to go, brother. I know Luke loves Nepal. Um, the Bible says that what we should do in the body of Christ is exercise psalms and doctrines and tongues, revelation gifts in the body. There should be prayer in the body, and these things must happen. And I just, I just say that to you. This outpouring in Asbury, um, w- when you think about it, and I think Michelle may have said this, somebody said this this morning, our response to God is so important. Our response to God. Now you think about it. You know, you go to church. If, if this is your, if everybody came to church like you, if everybody went to church like you, and everybody went to prayer meeting like you, what kind of prayer meeting would it be? Would it be dead or alive? Because this is how a lot of people in America go to church. There's very little fellowship, very little loving on each other and talking, excited, just walking around, kids playing. I think that's beautiful. As long as they don't knock the old people over. That's just beautiful. I love it. It's just wonderful. It's full of life, like the family. We're all we're all at our father's house, right? It's just a beautiful time. You know, it's not like oh, this is a church. Walk on eggshells. You know, no. There's churches like that that would love you, but in the presence of God, let it be life. Let it be messy. And and we come to church and we just sit like this. We just sing. You know, maybe we're into it. Maybe we're not into it. And, and so forth. We, we have to come with a response. What happened in Asbury was because people responded to God. They didn't come and just sit there. They didn't come and just stand there. They entered into God's presence. It wasn't elaborate worship sets and things of that. And I got my time. I see it. It, it wasn't all of these elaborate worship sets and stuff like that. It was just the fact that people wanted God and God wanted people and they met together. They met together. So, so look at your posture when I'm talking to you, look at your posture when you come to church and how do you help it? And if everybody came to church like you, what would your church be like? And one of the questions or one of the ways you can answer that is this. How many people are asking to go to church with you? I'm not talking about your church now. I'm talking about you. How many people want to be around you because you're around God? Ask yourself that question. That might be the true answer to your posture in church. Because your posture for Christ outside of church is even worse than that. Think about it. And let's not let our flesh get in the way. But let's be a spirit-filled people that are really seeking God and desiring the Lord. I praise God for a church and people that respond to the Lord. There's singing. There's dancing. There's shouting. There's intercession, there's prayers for one another, there's specific times of intercession for different things, there's worship and there's singing, and all these things go on in the prayer meeting. All of it. It's just not one particular thing, but a variety of things as we are experiencing God's presence together. I want to say this, without the body, all active, there cannot be a successful, spirit-filled congregational prayer meeting. Everybody has to participate. The fact of the matter is, everybody's not. So it's very important that you do. Because I think we want to have a living church. And I think we want to have the life of God. Not manufactured, not fake, but because we believe there is a Spirit of God. I want to talk about this very quickly. i got nine minutes. I want to say this very quickly. Your expectation in the prayer meeting has to be of God. If we're coming before God and we're praising Him, what does He say that He will do? Inhabit the praise. 
when God comes, what does he want to do? He wants to be God. And God says in his word that what he loves to do as God is heal you, deliver you, forgive you, restore you, save you, answer you. And that has to be our expectation. Let's pray for miracles. God is here now. Let's bring every need to him. He's a great God. And let's believe the Lord. There's nothing too small and nothing too great. Lay it all at his feet. And let's agree in Jesus' name that our God is the Lord. And he's going to do these mighty works and these mighty miracles. And the overflow of the prayer meeting goes out into the streets. and goes into the hospitals. And it goes into the prisons. And it goes into our communities. Because God is moving so mightily and, and powerfully. I want to say this last thing about it. And I say this to ministers, and I say this to those of you that care about the prayer meeting. You cannot lose heart. You cannot. Do you know how easy it is to manage a dead church? It is super easy. You don't have to do nothing. Two songs, announcement, hymn. 20-minute preaching, stand up, just as I am. Thank you for coming. See ya. It's about it. But to have a church full of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit leads it, keeping the church aflamed and full of the Holy Ghost demands an intimacy with God. Because as a minister... You're going to find that I have to say the same thing every week. Every week, I have to go pick up the face of the sheep and say, Now come with me. Let's go. Let's go. And we have to do that. Just like we have to do with our children. It's what we have to do. Just like God has to do that with us as ministers every week. It's the way we are. And we cannot be discouraged and we cannot lose heart. It's a lot easier to take care of the dead than it is to take care of the living. So decide, do you want to have a living church or a dead church? you want to roll up your sleeves, get into the work of it? Walk in the Holy Spirit, believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you begin to watch others that begin to get it. They got the revelation of it. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh man, they're gathering. They're doing it on their own. Nobody had to tell them. It's in this wonder, isn't this beautiful to see how people are growing in the Lord and they're, they're, they're so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it's just beautiful to watch. I say this to you. You have to lead by example. If it doesn't matter to you, it will not matter to them. You cannot lead your congregation from the back. You have to lead by being up front. And you have to be an example. If you believe in prayer, pray. If you believe in the prayer meeting, be at the prayer meeting. If you believe the altar is important, be in the altar. If you believe praise is important, praise him. Express your heart. Express your life through your physical body. If you believe that, do it. Do it for God. Do it for Him because you believe it. People will follow. People will do that. Don't hope in the people. Don't even hope in yourself. Hope in the Holy Ghost. He will produce a people in a prayer meeting that glorifies Jesus and that demonstrates the miracles and the power of God in the earth again today. And that through those miracles and powers of the Holy Spirit, there will be a confession and a testimony that Jesus Christ is risen and he is not dead. And that is done through the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart hope in the Holy Spirit and agree with Him that He will turn your life, your home, your family, your church into a house of prayer, a house of excitement and life and liberty and freedom. So I thank you for doing that. I want you to stand with me. I pray that so far this has been of great benefit to you. Um, we're 
thank you. Tried to give you just a little bit of a lot. And that's why we put these pamphlets together. So you can write notes, you can take them with you, you can study them, you can pray about them, because we're giving you a little bit of a lot. And I pray that you will glean from that.